Hey guys, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about cryptocurrency. Today, we have brought in Ryan, who runs a page on personal finance and talks plenty about cryptocurrency on Instagram. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Ring It to Dollar podcast. I am Nico. And I am Andrew. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the weekly news on the stock market, discussing investment strategies, personal finance, and analyzing stocks. We also have a YouTube channel, and if you haven't checked that out yet, just go to YouTube and search Ring It to Dollar. Welcome back to the Ring It to Dollar podcast, and today we have a very special guest, and he's Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Uh, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit, Ryan. Hey, yeah, sure. Um, hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me on the show. So um, my name's Ryan. Uh, I run the Instagram page Books and Stonks, where I share uh, my thoughts around certain investing topics, um, mainly on Wall Street stocks and um, cryptocurrencies, and also I share books that I've read. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing that I always like to read about Ryan's post is the books that he reviews, Nico. Yeah. If you, one day you go onto Ryan's page, right? you can see that. I think he has a library of himself. I don't think Bank Nagara has that much book. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Ryan, are those books legit or you like Photoshop them? No, no, it's a, it's a combination of like ebooks and um, books, physical books. But of course, I don't have like that many physical books with me. So, um, you know, it's mainly like 50% um, ebooks and 50% of those physical ones. So I'm curious, do you, do you read? How, how, how many books do you read? Uh, maybe in a week or a month? Uh, what's the quarter like? Uh, well, if you approach it from like a financial um, point of view, uh, you know how Malaysians have like 2,500 uh, 2, ringgit for like tax relief if we spend it on books. So that's kind of like my limit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 not bad, not bad. <laughs> no, no, genius move right there. Genius move. Using, utilizing the tax relief. But speaking of books, right, Nico, you are a reader as well right yep yep i what, try what, what is the one book that you would like to read today if you have the opportunity of time since you are very time constrained i believe I'm currently actually reading a book called uh, Winning. It's written by Jack Welch. It's just um, tr trying to improve my mindset and um, how I approach challenges. Uh. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's just currently on my to read list. Uh. But I'm not sure how Ryan does it. Like, as in, I like reading and I, I think it's very good. Everybody should do it because that's how you improve yourself, right? But um, I'm not sure how Ryan manages to keep up and like consistently continue reading because I tend to lose track of time and slowly but surely two weeks has passed and I haven't read a single page or anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, you know, funny. The funny thing is, I just uh, like anyone else. I started out like struggling to finish a book in uh, one or two months, even. And yeah. uh, as I kept going, you know, uh, I just started to read, reading, uh, go like faster and faster, to the point, you know, um, I'm able to like finish a book in in down under a week or so. Nice. Yeah. Damn, that, that, that's tough. I'm currently reading a book called Atomic Habits and mm. I'm just trying to change my habits. Like, you know, it's talking about how you have to do the little things in life to become better. And maybe, maybe Nico, you sh we should read the book called Atomic Habits and we, maybe we can be like Ryan one day. Like, hopefully. Like, huh? Hopefully, yeah. Yep. Hopefully, our, our idol of the day. But <laughs> the idol of the day, right? I have a question to you because today our topic is about cryptocurrency. So maybe, can Ryan, can you explain a little bit about cryptocurrency oh yeah definitely so um 
before we dive into like the whole uh, cryptoverse, right? I just want to like talk a little bit about blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology behind cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. right? So the thing about blockchain technology is that it is kind of like a security mechanism baked into data. And if you think about money as like information on a network, you can secure it cryptographically. And that's how cryptocurrency uh, is born. The, 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 uh, the term cryptocurrency is a coin. The, the, the model that we all Bitcoiners always say is kind of like, um, don't trust, just verify. So, mm. um, you know, when we go into things like peer-to-peer technology and we go into things like um, ledger technology, right? When the ledger is like open up on um, the internet, what we what we have to do is just go verify it. We don't have to like seek permission. We don't have to like ask um, intermediaries like banks, like say, oh, when is my transaction um, going through? You know, like it takes weeks to like transfer money from like say ringgit to a bank over in the UK, you know, but you could you could do it just in under hours with um, the Bitcoin network and for much less. And that is why, like, you know, um, cryptocurrency is being like um, a very revolutionary um, mechanism baked into currencies today. Mm-hmm. So right. when we talk about crypto, right, um, we know that blockchain is the, the backbone of crypto and um, every crypto has some sort of blockchain technology so maybe i'm just a dinosaur i don't understand crypto enough and stuff like that right Uh, what why is there so many different cryptos if there's uh one idea behind it is there different types of blockchains so um yes the answer to that uh, the short answer to that is yes uh, but um every different cryptocurrencies out there uh they all serve a different purpose so some of them are like um, running on the main network. So uh, for say, uh, for example, like Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin, those run on like a main network, right? But um, bit, uh, in, in the cryptoverse, you know, there's this thing called layer two, where we try to increase or um, improve transactions, uh, make it more efficient, make it faster. And um, we call those layer two solutions. and. This is when like coins like Matic come in. And then there's like another whole um, different perspective that you can go from, uh, look at it, which is from like, whether it's a proof of work kind of um, uh, blockchain or it's a proof of state blockchain. And and then, you know, we all know that Bitcoin is a proof of work. And then uh, Ethereum, uh, Cardano is all um, on running on proof of stake. So they all solve like um, very, they, they all approach like um, the issue, the trust issue around currency using different solutions. And, and that's kind of like uh, uh, um, the, the, the main difference between all these currencies. Right. So, right. Could you um, elaborate a little bit on what proof of work is and proof of state is? Because I'm not too familiar with these terms. Right. Um, so proof of work is basically where you have like um, miners verifying the transactions. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like gold mining where you mine that piece of gold and then it gets verified and uh, the, 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 the system will say, okay, now, um, you've, you've just mined this block of gold and, uh, we confirm it 
when uh, when we say like mining, it's kind of like the miners are verifying the transactions. So for X amount of um, transactions that the the miners verify the blocks in 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 blocks, um, they get rewarded Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. And um, proof of stake. Now I'm still um, studying very hard on like proof of stake, so I can't mm-hmm. uh, exactly like explain it 100%. But um, the idea behind proof of stake is that um, you have a stake pool, right? It's kind of like FD for uh, fixed deposits for for cryptocurrency. So you basically you stake your 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 cryptocurrency like an Ethereum or um, a Cardano, right? On on the the stake pool, and then you get rewarded. Uh, with with their native token like Eve 2.0 or um, Ada, right? So with all this technology, right? Um, maybe for us Malaysians, uh, we we understand a little bit of blockchain. You know, I I I don't really 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 understand yet, but I still have to understand a lot more before I can invest. But for those that are on are already understanding the blockchain and stuff like that, and they feel like they want to get into crypto, right? How can they start to invest in crypto if they're in Malaysia right now? So um yeah, this one's a little um um you know we just had this um binance crackdown by the securities commission uh, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago so um but uh definitely the first thing that comes to mind when anyone wants to like uh invest in cryptocurrencies is like you have to go through an exchange like be it like binance kraken um Huobi, or like luno which is um, much more popular in malaysia mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like like all things, like gold. If you don't want to own that uh, physical block of gold um, in your house, you could do it through like um, funds. You know, like the the gold ETF. But in mm-hmm. um, the the in the equity markets, we have uh, this uh, thing called the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and the Ethereum, a Grayscale Ethereum Trust. So yeah. uh, and um, other ETFs like um, ARKF. They also hold a little bit of like Bitcoin and um, and uh, Ethereum and uh, you know, and that's kind of like one way to to get exposure through the stock market. Mm. When I was actually looking through uh, crypto, right, about a few months ago, crypto was booming before the crash and stuff like that, right? People were actually uh, buying into companies like Mara and stuff like that, where where they were the miners, right? They they were investing into mining companies. What do you think of that? It should uh, is investing into a mining company even make sense? Does it make sense? Well, I feel um, there are a lot of like uh, opinions around this, right? But I feel that. Um, like during a gold rush, p- some people might prefer to like own uh, a shovel uh, uh, to sell the shovels instead of like uh, mining for gold. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the idea behind like investing in like mining companies like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I I just think that you know um, if if you really understand like the the whole Bitcoin network and how um, there's always diminishing returns for the miners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a very good, uh, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a very, you know, um, exponential kind of like growth trajectory for for miners, you know, because the thing with um, miners is that it's uh, to to the Bitcoin network, it's kind of like part of the equation uh, of this uh, on the supply and demand side, right? The more miners you get, the more difficult 
the network difficulty is going to be and um, the less um, Bitcoins is going to get mined or, or rewarded to the miners. So basically we have this thing called like the halvings, right? So mm-hmm. every four or five years, uh, depending on like the number of blocks minted, um, the, the rewards paid to the miners will get halved. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I think if I'm not mistaken, we are currently on 3.125 Bitcoins um, for, for the rewards. For, for every block um, verified. And, um, you know, it's it's going to go down um, in, in like a, like a exponential tra- trajectory down the road. Um, and for them, you know, um, it's, it's, and it becomes like kind of like a math equation, a math problem between um, the value of Bitcoin and the number of Bitcoins that you get reported. Hmm. And Bitcoin is also capped to like 21 million, right? Once once it passes 21 million, there can no more, there cannot be any more mining, right? From my understanding, is that true? Yes. And the so, whole idea hmm. behind this is kind of like um, inflation, right? So what the Bitcoin network does is that it controls the inflation rate. It prints money at the, uh, it prints the Bitcoins at a steady rate. So. That's why we call it like hard money, right? Uh, when there are more miners coming into the pool, it doesn't mean that there there will be more Bitcoin being rewarded because like I said, like just now, um, the network difficulty will go up and that makes it difficult, exponentially difficult for the miners to actually verify a transaction. Mm, I see. So from maybe I can just break it down a little bit if this is correct, right? So let's just say, right, Bitcoin sets this uh this year from the for the year 2021 right there can only be 10 coins to be mined this year it doesn't matter how many miners comes in there can only be 10 coins mined it's just that the the pie is now divided uh, even even smaller to other miners correct yeah that that's yeah. kind of like the 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 thing but the the underlying uh thing that's controlling all this is the coin issuance rate which is like the rate of um bitcoins coming out Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I read a little bit about this part, like um, Andrew mentioned earlier, there's about 21 million Bitcoins in total, right? There won't be any more, right? Right? Yes. Okay. Right. Then also regarding the blocks and the halving, I read that um, for every 210,000 blocks, which is about 1% of the total um, number of bitcoins then um the reward system gets halved so like what you're mentioning right now is it's about three point um one two five bitcoins per reward yeah Uh, if i'm not mistaken (laughs) right right so that means previously it was probably 6.25 or like um 12.5 before that right so it dropped by half and half and okay and also part of like some researchers are saying that it will take up to the year 2140 for the final Bitcoin to be mined off because of the system, right? Because it yes. keeps reducing, reducing, reducing. And yeah, so I found it quite interesting in the sense that, you know, we might not see the last coin might be mined after our lifetime, <laughs> which um, is quite a cool concept. But of course, nothing is get guaranteed, right? Because with growing techno- technologies and stuff like that, it might, you know, it might be over in the next 30 years or 40 years. But given current state of technology, they're looking at 2140. That year will be the year the last Bitcoin will be mined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I heard, right, Nico, you will be living until the year 2140, right? You're going to be like the longest man alive or something like that. <laughs> we can all try, love. We can all try. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe um, we can get back onto the topic, right? I just want to yeah. ask um, for, for Ryan, right? Because, like, Nico, today we, we analyze stocks, we have a 
I won't say fixed set of rules, but we have some sort of rules. Like we use PE, we have valuations, the the, the market cap, and all of this stuff, right? Some rules, right? Yeah, like the management. Are they doing a good job? That that's what makes me feel comfortable in investing into stocks because I have uh, something that is we. Re- I, I can see, you know, I can understand a little bit more where how they are progressing. But when it comes to cryptocurrency, people are saying that, you know what, it's all trading and stuff. But I I don't want to believe that. Can you tell me today, uh, Ryan, how do you analyze cryptocurrency? So, um, yeah, just like any stocks out there, right? So the first thing that we want to look at is the business. And for cryptocurrency, they, 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 we want to like look at the underlying use case of the cryptocurrency. Because like in the end of the day, uh, if, it, if it's a currency that we won't use, uh, they, 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 uh, there will be no value in that currency. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. So, so you're saying that Do- Dogecoin is uh, not being used or what? Well, Dogecoin is being uh, it's being implemented as like um, part of like a payment method in in a lot of stores these days. Uh, so we can't exactly say there's like no use case for Dogecoin. And mm-hmm. the thing with Dogecoin, uh, which is um, a little bit different from like most coins, is that Dogecoin is a meme, right? And we all know like how how big a meme can be. Mm-hmm. So so um, when more and more people own it, it becomes bigger. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all when you have like the user base, all you have to do is introduce a use case to it, and automatically you would have like this huge amount of people using that coin. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like that's kind of like uh, my my thesis for for Dogecoin, right? It's a meme, it and um, a lot of people own it, mm-hmm. but it has no use case yet aside from being a meme. And all it needs to do now is to introduce an actual use case onto 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 Doge, and then um, you know we could scale further from there. But mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's that's like up for debate. You know, um, I don't uh, I don't own Doge because um, you know it's a meme, and I I don't like investing in memes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I can ask you a question, uh, Ryan. Uh, when you talk about uh, the use case, right? I, I just want to understand a little bit more. Dogecoin is a meme. Then how can we identify what other uh, use case? Let me just, uh, can I say this, that Bitcoin, the use case is like a digital goal, right? That That's what they say, that the use yeah. case for Bitcoin. Then, But we also know that Bitcoin is not really... Con- convenient i would say to to use it as a transaction because it takes forever i think like 10 minutes to transact uh, to complete the transaction right because the blockchains cuts every 10 minutes right that that's when it completes so mm-hmm. what kind of other use case do we have out there if you may explain that so uh i'm going to focus a little bit more on um, bitcoin and ethereum and um like you said right bitcoin is kind of like digital gold um gold 2.0 whatever you like to call it you know at this point of time and like you said the transaction timings are indeed slow because the blocks are pretty big to 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 verify and it takes a while to to update the the ledgers and stuff like that but if you look at it from a security point of view right Mm -hmm. it's permissionless it's secure you know, uh, and and you're able to like convert um, a different currency into Bitcoin and into another different currency through the network, right? If you if you let's say if you're trying to um, get some ringgit into um, 
I don't know, maybe some uh, US dollars or some, mm-hmm. some pounds. Bring it to dollar, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! So yeah, let's let's go with that. Um, ring it to dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Now it would take a very long time, and it would be really expensive, right? Because if uh, if like let's say we take like the the normal route uh, through using a bank, we would have to pay um, our banks a couple couple ringgit. Uh, and then um, going through the net, uh, going through like um, the, the, we would have to pay like the forex charges. And then when the money actually reaches on to the other end of the receiving bank in uh, US, we would have to pay um, remittance fees to the bank again in in US dollars. And um, by the time you actually get uh, the money, it will be much less. And it takes like a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe like um, three to five days business days, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if there's like public holiday in between? It's gonna take weeks. But um, with with um, Bitcoin, it's it's in a way like uh, it takes yeah sure it takes like kind of like long in the sense that it might take a, a few hours to do so. But then uh, if you look at it from like an international transaction point of view, you know um, it's secured. It's um, faster than um, you know banks. And it it costs much less, yeah, right? Because the network never sleeps, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And Nico, maybe you can talk about how much it costs when you transfer your money uh, to Singapore to invest to IBKR. How much does it cost, Nico? Right. So, um, what 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 I was doing previously was directly transferring from my Malaysian bank account directly to the UK bank account, mm-hmm. and. It costs. I mean, the transaction cost alone was about I think um ten ringgit or directly to the Malaysian bank and then we get the bad transfer rate as well and um, like Ryan mentioned earlier once the money reaches over on the other side you have remittance charges and whatever so your value shrinks on the way like some it feels almost like you're getting robbed on the way there um, <laughs> yeah, everyone, that's, that's everyone what along mean. the pipeline you know they get a cut yeah, you get a yeah. cut you get a cut everybody gets a cut <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so it feels like you're being cheated but then i mean recently i've I've tried out different approaches and i'm trying out instagram now so i'm working in a way to transfer my money from my malaysian bank account into the instagram platform and then transfer it over to the international banks and i find that it's currently cheaper uh, much cheaper Although the charges are the same, as in um, I still get charged about 10 to 15 ringgit for the transaction, but mm-hmm. getting the spot rate is quite essential in determining how much crosses over the border. So yeah, I think with, with um, cryptocurrencies, that will help a lot because, you know, digital assets, right? So um, it's kept at a fair value among the entire globe, right? People value it at a certain amount. And when you transfer it seamlessly over a network, at least your value doesn't um, diminish by crossing borders, right? It, it yeah, holds exactly. that value. But yeah, going back to like um, uh, like the use case, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we have like Bitcoin, which is like um, digital gold. It's a pretty good hedge against um, almost anything out there in the market, right? Um, so if um, I, I'm just gonna cite like Ark Invest, um, big ideas 2021, uh, just a little bit. So they did like a very quick analysis on like a um, um, correlation against different assets on the market, right? So they did it for like gold, they did it for the, the Apple stock, Tesla stock, and they even did it for like uh, for for Bank of America, and. Um, you know, across like across the board, there's just um, very weak correlation to all these markets. 
And right. if we track the performance like of like Bitcoin uh, back in like March 2020, yeah, sure. You know, during the March crash, everything was going down, and um, certainly Bitcoin did go down a little bit more than other others. You know, I think Bitcoin suffered like a sixty percent drop, but it did take uh, Bitcoin much less time than equity markets than the gold market to recover to pre-COVID levels. So, in a way, you know, um, we could say that the cryptocurrency market is volatile, indeed, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's much more resilient than 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 um, traditional financial markets. I think also one more thing that we have to realize is that w- there are many people that's going into crypto today, and crypto has definitely gained a lot of media attention as well. And when <clears throat> there's a lot of people going in, right, then your valuations obviously will get thrown everywhere. And I, I like to watch videos of Tom Nash, right? Uh, Tom Nash is a YouTuber and he's a financial analyst or whatever. And he said that this one interesting is that crypto w- will be valuable one day, uh, way more valuable than where it was. But if you're investing into crypto, you have to realize that it can go very high one day, very low one day. It's because that it's just so volatile today. And I, I don't know where I saw this, is that crypto is like the 2000s of the internet age. People don't know what it's for yet, but people know it's here to stay. That, that's what it was like when you were in 2000 right you were on your dial-up internet and you you don't know what it's really you don't know what the potential of the internet was back then if i told you that i can video call you for free on the internet in 2000 you probably think i i i'm talking cock la. okay let's just be real right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right and people are people it's the same for crypto people it's like people don't really understand the potential of crypto yet and people don't really see it yet but there is a potential. That's what they are saying. But speaking yes. of potential, right, Ryan, why should we invest in crypto? So, yeah, um, cryptocurrency. Why cryptocurrency, right? So, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of like uh, different um, theories around it. But for myself, my investing thesis around cryptocurrency is a matter of like trust, right? Hmm. So the thing with like blockchain is that it, it is a solution which we could omit the trust factor, right? Okay. So um, I'm just gonna raise like a quick example of like um, how blockchain technology is being used like that. So between Malaysia and Singapore, right? We have this um, COVID vaccine certificate. Mm-hmm. Now, did you know that that um, certificate is actually secured by blockchain? Oh, I have no idea actually. Yeah, um, and uh, the first time when I found out, I was like, oh, wow, this has got to be secure. You know, I I was quite amazed that, you know, um, Malaysia would pull something like that. It's pretty awesome. But if you think about it, it actually makes sense, you know, Uh, because when we talk about like a vaccination certificate, anyone could forge it for you if you Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you if you um, anyone's willing to do it for for a price. Right. So it's kind of it's kind of like uh, medical certificates for 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 our sick leaves. Any doctor could. <laughs> would Don't rat me out, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that, that that's kind of like the idea, right? And uh, we know that fraud and lies exist within this system. Hmm. And um, how is uh, Malaysia or Singapore going to be able to trust each other to the point that we could open our borders and ensure that there, there's no cross-border transmission of the, the virus? So we have to like, um, and the only way is to like, don't trust, just verify it. You know, we the QR code that we scan when we, when we um, uh, get our vaccines, 
So that is actually tied back into um, the the batches of like the vaccines, uh, the source of the vaccine, where it came from, what type is it, and um, it's secured with blockchain. And um, that way, you know, e or both parties are able to know that. All right, I know that this person has has got his um, his or her um, vaccine and um, perfectly safe to cross the border. Right, and, and we don't have to like worry too much, you know. It, it just comes back to the issue about trust, right? And when we apply trust to money, it becomes much more sensible in a way because you know every day we're we're, we're trusting our money with um, the banks which i think the banks are doing a great job you know and especially in malaysia bank negara does a very good job at like controlling um the the, the total supply of the money circulation within the economy and um but there is like this chance where banks will go um bust just like just like the the 0809 financial crisis right mm -hmm. Yeah. And and like like kind of like um the the recent uh, over leverage by Ar um what's that uh Arcagos? 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 Yeah, yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. so so um you know you would never know uh when when a bank is going to pull Lehman Brothers on you or or an Arcagos on you and um when we have like something like blockchain uh we can trust better you know we we are we're able to like get the money between us and the the person who's receiving it much better than you know or, or we are able to like um to confirm that we actually own that piece of that stock or or um confirm that uh you know we have copyright over over um this this nft or this um song here you know on the internet so it becomes blockchain becomes like this this question where um uh it's important when we want absolute truth to a certain element or a certain aspect. So aside from like money, you know, uh, we can have like $1 suddenly becoming like $2 out of nowhere, right? Mm, so right. again, uh, like it, it, it kind of like applies on um, everything else, like the contracts, uh, like um, copyright, you know, we can have like say, um, like I wrote this song and then um people people are gonna bit toward me all day you know and and right. blockchain solves this and that's why you know nft is becoming a thing nowadays because it's artwork where um ownership is actually um verified right so that there's only one original piece right yes exactly mm -hmm. well i find that quite interesting in the sense of the blockchain blockchain technology like how you can't overwrite what was previously written. Like you can add on new transactions or um, new pieces of information, but you can't go back and rewrite history, right? That's the main concept of it. Yes, um, exactly. So everybody knows exactly what happened, when and in what amount or so on and so forth. So to have a currency built on that kind of uh, system or infrastructure, it, it gives everybody a rather uh, it makes people more confident in what they're doing, right? That this uh, currency does exist, and you know, when a transaction happens, it doesn't have a double double transaction, right? One yes. coin cannot be spent twice; it can only be spent once, and that coin can also be tracked, like it moves between person A to person B to person C, and it's all written down. Their entire history of the coin is basically um, accessible, right? Yes, exactly. Mm. But also at the same time, I'm kind of wondering, right? 
um, the hype around Bitcoin, obviously there's a hype because it's something new and, you know, everybody's interested and they're seeing that the price is booming up and up. So everybody's just trying to catch some profit for their own, right? Um, yeah. Whether regardless, whether they are actually going to use the coin or not, they're just trying to make some capital gains, right? Yes. So I was wondering, Ryan, right? How do you see Bitcoin and do you see it outliving the mining process? And does it become a regular transaction uh, currency in the near coming future? Because currently, like as, as per uh, an average Malaysian, right? I don't think you can really do much with a Bitcoin locally, right? I, no, can't, definitely not. I can't really buy like a car or nothing like that yet. But I think like you can sort of make personal um, transactions. If let's say I have a car and I'm willing to accept Bitcoin, probably we can work something out on the side. But um, I think there's a lot of legal issues in that. But I just wanted to get your opinion on like, um, what happens when the hype dies out? And how is Bitcoin going to be actively transacted among regular people? Right, right. Um, so I look at this uh, in a short term and long term perspective, right? So in the short term, I'm talking about like maybe um, like one or two years. Um, the investing thesis around Bitcoin as of now is because it's such a compelling hedge. Hmm. So, um, you know, and again, you know, we um, it's really sad to say, like as a Malaysian, but uh, every day, you know, ringgit is depreciating and um, yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, from a kind of like a macro perspective, right? macroeconomic perspective, um, you want to be on the other end of the trade now. And hmm. Bitcoin is like kind of like US dollars on steroids. And, right. uh, <laughs> and and that that's kind of like where you want to have um, a, a certain percentage of your money to hedge against that that, that um, inflation, that coming inflation, right? And um, on the long term, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel that um, there's going to be like a lot more use cases being um, being adopted, right? So. Currently, one of the biggest trends out there on um, the the Wall Street um, fund, the, the the Wall Street guys, you know, um, they are all adopting something we call um, decentralized finance on the Ethereum network. So aside from like hodling Bitcoin, um, you know, they they are going for um, Ethereum as well, and. Um, like well, I'm just going to cite like I'm I'm going to cite like Ark Invest a lot in this um, in uh, in, in uh, our old session, but. Um, yeah, you guys should definitely check it out. But it's uh, again, you know, Ark Invest big ideas 2021. Um, they're showing that you know the with like Bitcoin being um, adopted by the mainstream institutions on Wall Street, um, it's setting up the stage for for Ethereum's decentralized finance. And certainly, these hedge funds are are experimenting with like decentralized finance at the moment. And yeah, uh, the, the the people who lock uh, the Ethereum up on um, on DeFi is widely increasing. But uh, yeah, um, but it's it's kind of like a, a exponential adoption cycle, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, are you guys familiar with um, Metcalf's law? No, I've never heard of it. Nico, have you heard of it? No, I, I can't say I have. What is it? So, so it's basically um, saying that in a network, right? So imagine a network with just two two nodes. We only have one connection, but if okay. we add one more node into um, into the network, our our um, total amount of like connections go from like one to three, and that's like a fifty percent increase. 
Mm, okay. So, so um, what Metcalf law, Metcalf's law actually states is that for every user added into a network, the value of the total network increases exponentially. Mm, so, okay. I want you to imagine in this in this Bitcoin or Ethereum network, the total amount of like um, wallets, active wallets, are the nodes, and for every user that opens a wallet it exponentially increases the value of the network. Mm. Okay. So, so that's like one of the, the, the investing thesis that I have on like um, Ethereum and um, Bitcoin is um, that cryptocurrencies are basically um, currencies that obey network effects. Mm. So it's kind of like the internet, right? When you have like two computers you could talk to each other, but uh, when uh, it's like kind of like three of us, we can have this three-way conversation. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it, it adds more value as um, more participants come in. And again, it's quite similar to um, it's quite similar to uh, cryptocurrencies. And in this sense, I would say that uh, Ethereum might be bigger than than Bitcoin. Might be bigger. I might be wrong, but um, mm-hmm. as of now, the use cases for Bitcoin is mainly a compelling hedge against fi- uh, traditional finance. But in uh, the Ethereum network, we have a lot of things going on. We have decentralized finance going on. We have um, NFTs, and um, yeah, you know, uh, we have so many things going on on the Ethereum network and um, uh, smart contracts. You know, and um, there's way more use cases for for ethereum on like a more um like on a technical uh point of view at this point in time and um that is why um some people uh some famous people like uh raul paul if, uh, from real vision finance is um betting really big on ethereum mm. like like when i when we say like ethereum can be bigger than bitcoin right but bitcoin has no history of being hacked right ethereum has so what is your take on it why would anyone invest into something that is not ready yet i i'm it might be stupid for me to say it's not ready but that's my understanding because like if something is accessible through anyone right then why would people get into it yeah, definitely. I, I, I would agree with your your your, your um, view on like how um, it, it's not like uh, complete yet. It's still a work in progress. And um, Ethereum is has only been out on the market for, um, I think, a little bit less than seven years. And Bitcoin has been around since 2009, I believe. Mm-hmm. So um, Bitcoin has a much larger developer base a lot more people working on the network versus ethereum and um yeah you know um like like all things uh the more people uh the the more developers that work on the network the more secure it gets the better it gets the faster the more efficient it gets and um i think you just have to give it a little bit of a time you know yeah i I think what uh, ryan is trying to say is that to to become a good and secure website they just need more people to give it more codes more verification more more all this all the security stuff right so with that over time it can be built up right right yeah mm-hmm. and maybe i can understand a little bit more there's a lot of information today maybe you can give us from the swot analysis side on crypto so maybe like the strength and weakness and stuff like that so maybe can you do a swot analysis first for, for crypto right 
Yeah, sure. Um, SWOT analysis, right? So um, exactly, mm-hmm. strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So mm-hmm. basically, it's going to be it's going to sound like a like a complete um, conclusion to what we've yeah. just talked about. So mm-hmm. again, like with strengths, there are um, like a lot of use cases for it, which is like secure. It's um, much faster. It's much efficient. You take the the trust factor out of things, right? And that's 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 uh, what blockchain technology is all about. But like weaknesses, when we talk about weaknesses, um, from a cryptocurrency point of view, uh, some people would take volatility as a huge um, no-no. Um, you know, um, but for me, you know, it could be both a good thing or a bad thing uh, if you learn how to like use volatility um, for you by uh, by the dip, you know, and, uh, and and just hodl, don't trade it. Yeah, yeah. and then. But again, uh, with uh, the weaknesses, like how what um, uh, Andrew you you said it was really good was that um, if the that um, there's this cybersecurity threat, and some people are actually suggesting that with the rise of quantum computing, um, crypto, uh, uh, you know, all this cryptocurrency, cryptographics, um, uh, securing mechanisms will be will be entangled by by quantum mechanics, uh, quantum computing. Who knows, you know, but uh, definitely developers are actually are working actively to prevent this from happening. Uh, and we'll see in the future. All right. But uh, in terms of like opportunities, again, um, going back to like how we have like short and long term um, goals. So for the short term goal, goal for Bitcoin, at least, and it's going to be a great hedge against um, against, you know, uh, government's printing money or um and then like um, fiat currency losing value, like the Malaysian mm-hmm. ring. And, um, and I think it's a really compelling hedge. If you think about how we have like exponential growth, um, exponential growth in terms of like the users of the network, which will provide like um, the, which will, which will provide like the, the, the network effects, which will allow for the price of like the tokens to scale really, really hard. And um, that's kind of like a moonshot there, right? Mm-hmm. So in a way, in the short term, it's kind of like a hedge with a chance, a good chance of moonshotting. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the long term, now uh, I truly believe that um, people will eventually move into cryptocurrencies and it will become the native uh, currency of the internet. Mm-hmm. So, so, but that's like a long shot there, right? Uh, it would take like a couple more cycles, um, say four to eight years um, for that to play out. But um, I definitely want to be one of those people who adopted uh, cryptocurrency early on. And um, mm-hmm. that is why I'm, I'm investing in it and uh, really, really aggressively. And then um, again, like uh, going back to like weaknesses, so uh, remember how we had the the problems, one of the problems with like um, Binance. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, uh, in the short term, there's going to be a lot of like government or uh, regulatory issues uh, surrounding blockchain technology because um, essentially, you know, blockchain is taking away power from a lot of people. Yeah, uh, it's taking away control. It's taking away, um, you know, where where you hedge your money and. Um, the, the whole world just got a new competitor from mm-hmm. the internet. So basically all countries are competing with like, uh, competing with Bitcoin to be the world's reserve currency. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. so again, you know, um, there's always this regulatory risk going on, like uh, how we had the the, the whole um, hoo-ha with the infrastructure bill a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, those are things that you kind of like want to want to want to uh, look at. And again, with China cracking down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big one. When China cracks down, and when when China cracks down, they they just kind of go ham, right? They don't give a shit if you're a trillionaire, or billionaire, or whatever. It's like oh, say, yeah. no, it's it's really no. You can't do anything about it. And people were worried as a lot, very worried. I would say when they were the the crackdown was happening, and people were like, they were not even allowed to mine. And China is not the only country that is regulating Bitcoin, right? I mean, any sorts of uh, uh, crypto. Even India is talking about banning crypto, and yeah. even England is trying to like uh, control Binance. I won't say ban Binance completely, although they're talking about banning. But I, I think they just want to control it, regulate yeah. it, because as as soon as you lose control control over your currency, right, you lose a lot of power in your country, right, Ryan? Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, well, hmm. I think like the whole the whole um, fiasco around Binance in Malaysia is that we don't have uh, Binance doesn't have a branch in Malaysia. We don't have a Binance in Jurantohat here, right? Hmm. So so you know you 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 don't get to tax Binance for for all that profit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so you know you know where this is going. But uh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are just sending out money and Malaysia is just losing money. Yeah, they, that's they, what, everyone what wants a piece of the pie, you know. Yeah. Yeah, everyone wants a piece of the pie. Yeah, that's true. And people are saying that, don't quote me on this, right? People are saying that Luno is giving the piece of the pie. That's why uh, SE is very friendly to Luno. But that's just my opinion. Don't sue me, bro. So no, but but if you think about it from a taxation point of view, right? Definitely, mm-hmm. everybody from from Token Zine, Synergize, um, you know, Luno, they all pay tax. And mm-hmm. and when you pay tax, uh, there's nothing wrong legally about it anymore. Mm-hmm. As long as you pay tax, then it's fine. Yeah. So if Binance set up uh, Sindrian Berhad here and they are paying tax, do you think they'll be completely fine? Oh, that that's that's going to be like uh, uh, one of the, the biggest reasons, I feel. But don't uh, like you said, don't quote me on this. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I personally feel like once you get banned in a country, right, there's no reason for you to get unbanned, right? It's not like um, getting thrown into jail for a lifetime or something like that. There's definitely, even when you get thrown into jail for a lifetime, you can get out on good behavior or something like you change or something like that, right? So there's yeah, always exactly. a, a reason for you to get unbanned. And if you show that, there's a reason for you to get unbanned then i don't think binance is having a problem there will have a problem there uh just a little fun fact i i think binance was removed from the apple store already in the past 24 hours so you can't download binance in in the apple system anymore for malaysia at least that's real shame yeah so i just want to ask nico right so after this session right with with Mm -hmm. ryan which obviously was a heavy download for us as well right because we don't really really understand crypto but now we understand a lot more than where we just started right about an hour ago so i want to ask you nico will you be looking to invest in crypto i'm actually still trying to process some of the things that ryan have just mentioned because it's like Mm -hmm. it's been very informative session and i think i've learned quite a lot also Mm -hmm. and um the problem for me right is i i'm a value investor by nature and i'm trying to make the most of my small um capital right mm-hmm. my small capital that i have right now and so my fear is always still that 
I don't really understand it well enough to be able to put in such a high valued investment. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the price of Bitcoin right now is not really affordable, I would mm -hmm. say. Like if I want to own one particular Bitcoin, but I think you can buy it in fractions, right? Right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, you, you can, can buy. You can always buy in uh, satoshis, uh, is what they call it. You know, uh, right. one in a million Bitcoin satoshis. Satoshis, right? And then I have to set up my own wallet for that, right? As well. Is yeah, that you, how could, it works? you could. You could get like a. You could get like an account on Luno, mm -hmm. um, and then and then you could you could automatically like just trade Bitcoin from there. Right. So like some of the pros I see of Bitcoin is, I mean, of course you mentioned volatility, right? But with volatility comes uh, high liquidation. So, you know, it, it's not too bad in that sense. It's like I can get in and I can get out rather smoothly, I would say. Yeah. But it, it needs a bit more of a confidence boost for me because like I see it as a great uh, invention. The technology behind it is amazing, but the asset as itself is a bit hard for me to put a value to like to put a number to because mm -hmm. like i said like gold i understand that you know we don't go on the streets and give the machi uh 100 grams <laughs> of gold for nasi lemak or nothing like that so i understand you know it's an asset but mm -hmm. at the same time it's a physical asset it won't just disappear right mm -hmm. whereas with uh bitcoin it's a digital asset and of course it's not going to disappear very easily but it, it's the lack of confidence for me affects my ability to invest in it, I would say. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, there will be like this paradigm shift where you are, you're going to be like, okay, or comfortable with like intangible assets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Intangible assets, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but for me, right, maybe I would just want to let you guys know on my take, what I learned today and would I invest in crypto? And none of this is investment advice. Whatever we discuss here is all educational purpose and for us to understand things a little bit better, right? And for me, from my personal opinion, is that if I were to invest into a coin, I want to invest into a coin where it can be used daily, a transactional coin. And one of the coins that I've been looking at is called Nanocoin. Nanocoin is because that it's very easy to transact it's not because it's cheap as shit again okay? <laughs> it's not because of that i look at things where like the blockchain security is it good uh, is it easy to transact is it fast to transact is it cheap to transact you know those are the kind of stuff that i like to look at and when i look at nano right it, it, i think it's free right it's free to transact and we know how humans are we don't like to pay a fee when you tell me to pay 33 cents and buying a stock also i'm like wow why do i have to pay 33 cents no. <laughs> you know i'm yeah. just buying a stock right why should i pay that shit fee right but that that's the uh, the truth right if we're using something we always have to pay a fee when we're using blockchain it, it still needs to sustain itself right but nano doesn't have to sustain so uh, it doesn't have to be paid to sustain itself so then i'm like those are the things that I like to look at. And Ethereum is one very good one as well, like Ryan said, because it can transact, it's safe. Although it's not very, very safe because it got hacked 600 million, uh, but it's it's getting there. You know, it, it takes time for it to get better. But as of today, do I feel secure investing in crypto alone? I won't invest in crypto alone. That That's uh, crazy for me. I, I will still lead a diversified portfolio and stuff like that. And if I were to invest into crypto, I would say I would just put like 5 to 10% of my portfolio into it. Because mainly you can call me like cuckoo or don't understand enough, but that's just my take on it. How about you, Ryan? 
Yeah, I think what you said is like completely fair. You know, um, uh, as I said, you know, in the short term, uh, people should look at it, uh, look at Bitcoin as more of like a, like a hedge. You know, and um, five to ten percent is absolutely acceptable. Uh, and it, it's it's um, you know, uh, if you're going out of the risk curve, and then uh, people should celebrate that. You know, and uh, adopting Bitcoin, and I think it's a pretty good thing, a pretty good first step. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but um, for me personally, uh, I've been studying. Um, like uh, cryptocurrencies for uh, over two years now, um, on and off, you know. Um, yeah, and um, you know, I, I just have like, have like this huge confidence in it, and I I believe like in the long run, um, I still believe that we need to have like a slightly diversified um, portfolio where we have um, a combination of stocks and um, cryptocurrency. And here's here's my new proposal, you know, for the uh, it, like. Conventionally, we would say like the 60-40 is like 60 stocks and 40 bonds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to propose that um, crypto, uh, 60 stocks, 40 crypto will be the new 60-40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many people were saying that as well. But just to, not to debate or anything, but what we see, right, usually when in bonds and stocks, right, it's when stocks goes up, bonds goes down when bonds goes up stocks goes down right it's like a seesaw effect right that's what benjamin graham said but when we look at crypto right it's not really the same you know like when we see uh tesla or apple drop in price right bitcoin follows as well but like you say the 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 range is very much bigger don't you think yeah yeah, uh, definitely. If you if you look at it from like a more shorter time frame, right? Definitely, mm-hmm. it's um somewhat like that. But if you um take like the lowest price of like Bitcoin annually, and you plot it along the chart, it's actually an exponential growth trajectory. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so like again, you know, going back to like how we we cited uh, Ark Invest on like how um there's like very low correlation against um, traditional um, financial assets like stocks, bonds, and gold and oil. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like hardly any um, strong correlation between these assets and cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. So I would yeah. say instead of like, uh, like the reason why the uh, boomers would go for bonds is because it's a hedge to like stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say cryptocurrencies are a much better hedge against stocks. Mm-hmm. And of course, to invest in crypto, you will have to out, um, I would say ride the wave, right? Because it's a very mm, rocky wave, like the Indian Ocean, right? So it's a very rocky wave. Sometimes it can go very high, sometimes it can go very low. But before we sign off for today's episode, right? Since we're already approaching the hour mark, I would like to ask you for a final word of advice. Not not investment advice, like, you know, like can be motivational advice. But even if it's investment advice, just say, don't quote me, bro, and we'll get around with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, uh, just like a quick disclosure, you know, uh, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, don't mm-hmm. quote me on this. And um, uh, my portfolio is made up of like um, 50% crypto and 50% uh, stocks at the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but uh, after investing in the crypto markets for over uh, a little over a year now, the, the, the best thing I've learned is to just huddle. And um, you'll never die from taking some profits. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. That's very strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. And I think with that being said, right, I just want to tell you guys that, you know, it's never wrong to take profits because you will never go broke taking profits. So if that is the way we're going to go about it, 
Um, looks like I have to take some profits lah from my stocks. <laughs> But, about time yeah i've never actually t- sold a stock yet uh in the american market it's been like a, a year plus i haven't sold a stock so <laughs> that's a problem with me but i think that's my own personal opinion on uh selling my stock but before we sign off right i just like to tell you guys for list thank you for listening right uh it's been a, a wonderful episode with ryan thank you for joining us today ryan it's an honor to have you um With that being said, I just like to tell you guys to think before you invest, guys. Ciao. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And invest safe. If you are still here at the end of the podcast, do follow this podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. To catch all the latest episodes from us, you can follow our Instagram page at ringgit to dollar underscore. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will see you in the next episode. But remember to always do your due diligence before investing. Till next time.